So why do we find, and I say we, I mean just collectively, why do we find the Bible so boring? (laughs) Um, I mean, think about this, Cassia. Like, when was the last time you were like, hey, how was your day? What did you do? And someone was like, oh, yeah, I spent the last few hours reading the Bible. That's awesome. Like, you don't hear people say that. You are listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast, a place to grow, learn, and be inspired as you discover God's purpose for your life. Here's your host, the pastor you've always wanted without the church, Dr. Kumar Dixit. Well, welcome to the Concierge Minister Podcast. I am certainly very, very excited to reconnect with my old friend, Kessia Rain Bennett. I love uh, people with three names. It sounds so official, like celebrity-like, you know, it's like, so it's great to see you, Kessia. Um, you and I last connected probably five years ago in the beautiful British Columbia. This is the last time I saw you in person. It's hard to beat the beauty of British Columbia. I know, a- I know. And, and so um, catch me up. Where, where are you right now? What are you doing these days? Yeah, so since that time, I had a couple kids. Nice. And moved to Nebraska, which why I love now. But at <laughs> the first, I had to look up on a map. Like I was like, "How many states?" I li- lived in Chicago at the time, okay. so I had to look at how many states are between. Oh, there's Iowa right there. I had no idea. So here I am in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I work at the College View Church. It's a it's a college campus church. So we're right okay. across the street from Union College. Here. Oh, nice. Well, very good. And how long have you been there for? Let's see, about three years now, actually. Very, very cool. So I, I, I follow you on Instagram because I can't find you on Facebook anymore. It's like, you know, it's like the story of my life. Only the old people and me are on Facebook. But I'm so sorry, Kumar. Now, I know, but I do follow you on, on Instagram. And I don't know, a year or two ago, I saw the most incredible image of you baptizing somebody in a bathtub. Yes, we, that was an awesome story. Actually, I, I wasn't the one baptizing her. I was the one taking pictures. One okay. of the elders in our church baptized her. She had been, her life had been totally transformed by Jesus and she'd been studying the Bible and it was changing her life. But there was this one something just she didn't she wasn't ready to cross the threshold into commitment. And so um, we just had a talk with her one Friday night that was like, hey, what's the deal? You ready to do this thing? And gave her a challenge. You know, I, I spoke straight to her. She's kind of she's one of these people like me that can kind of get caught up in, in the brain problem and mm-hmm. not get to the mm-hmm. body action. Yep. So it was Friday night and grabbed her a robe and filled up the bathtub and it was the best baptism I've been to and maybe my whole life. It was amazing. Yeah. It looked amazing. I was like, what is going on here? It was like, I don't know, like just like an image from like a dark movie. And it was like, either this woman's getting baptized or you're murdering somebody in the tub. So it did look very cult like, but it was one of those things, you know, where no time to lose. Like this is the moment. This is like, I, there, here's water right here. What prevents me from being baptized? Like, we're not waiting on this one. Like, you're doing it tonight. You're doing it right now. Okay, so the follow. Yes. Tell me the follow up. Is she still like active, involved with like what's yes. the deal? 
She just was involved in our church service, uh, gave an amazing children's story about baptism, actually. So, wow, that, yeah. that's pretty cool. So well, one of the things, um, reasons why I asked you to join me on this podcast is because I think of you as like my personal Bible scholar. And um, I, I have really loved listening to you. I, loved, I, I think you're a natural teacher. I think you have so much to say when it comes to um, ancient scriptures. And um, the concierge minister, um, one of one of our um, core beliefs is spiritual disciplines, and one of the disciplines is is studying the Bible, uh, studying ancient scripture. And um, it sounds easy, it sounds fun until you like open up the Bible, and then you're like, oh Lord, like what is what is here, you know? And even for someone like me who has two theological degrees, a doctorate in this stuff, sometimes I open it up and I'm like not again, you know, or this is, <laughs> you know, this is so dry. So before we jump into like how to make the Bible alive, let me ask you just some quick questions and you got to respond really quick. Okay. So it's, you're going to have to be like on your feet or just a good liar. Number one, what are you currently reading in the Bible? I am, what am I currently reading the Bible? I'm currently reading first Peter. Oh, Okay. First Peter. And are you reading it because you're studying it for something else or for just personal edification? I am going through it with a friend, so Bible study. We're, we're going through First Peter specifically to try to um, see what are the promises of the book of First Peter. Oh, okay. I didn't know Peter had promises, so that's something I learned. Um, what's your favorite bo book of the Bible? <laughs> Well, lately, maybe, well, first Peter, but um, prior to that, maybe Romans. I taught a class on Romans in the spring, and it just blew my mind. Really? Yeah. I, you know what's funny? I love, like, I can get to, like, Romans 7 or 8, and then, like, like it's, like, it's, like, juicy, like, the first half, and then after I get through there, this latter half, I'm kind of, like, yawn. Yeah, you know, 9 through 11 is really foreign to us. We don't understand the categories. We don't understand the people that he's talking about. We don't understand the narrative behind it. Yeah. And so, and, and some of the stuff that set that it says in the middle, you're like, I thought you just said the opposite. What are you? Right. Yes. Nine through 11 will totally throw you off the entire book of Romans. Yeah. I think that's usually when I drop out. So that's, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. And then finally, um, do you like to, like, I mean, you just said Peter, but for me, I'm kind of a narrative guy. So I like reading stories. So judges and like the Old Testament stories are like the best, you know, um, the gospels as redundant and as much as I've read them over and over again, like I'd rather stay there than try to get up to like James <laughs> or, you know, somewhere else. So, um, so what, what are you? Are you, a, are you a, a narrative person or are you kind of a, a more of a thinker when, you know, where it's more abstract like Corinthians or Galatians? I think I am more of a, more of a letters person, more of a Corinthians or Galatians. Okay. But um, one thing to understand about the Bible that I've come to understand after these years of reading it is you actually don't have you can't get to any of that abstract stuff in the bible without narrative it's all narrative dependent okay so you actually asked me before what i was reading but you didn't ask me what i was listening to and oh, I'm talk to me talk to me listening to uh the story of abraham hmm. um 
So I, you know, I, you probably use dwell. Do you use dwell? Mm -hmm. I know dwell. So I'll listen to the same story over and over again. And I'm definitely much more of a text with my eyes kind of learner. That's mm-hmm. the way I take in information. But um, it really shifts me into more of a meditative mode where I can hear the same thing over and over again. So this, the book of Jonah, for instance, I would just used to listen to that book once a day for, I don't know, like 20 days. How is that possible? There's only four chapters in that book. Yeah, but I would listen to it, and then the next day I would listen to it again, and I would listen Mm. to it again. And the thing is, with the book of Jonah, I thought I knew what it was about. Mm -hmm. And it's not like the second time I listened to it, I was like, I was completely wrong. It's not even about a guy named Jonah. It's it's about a guy named named Pete, you know? No. (laughs) But on the third time, and then the sixth time, and then the fifteenth time, I mean, I'm seeing stuff in there. I well, seeing, I'm hearing stuff Mm. in there. Themes are emerging. Um, ironies that I never saw in the book before, how Jonah is actually the anti-missionary, how the mm-hmm. most righteous people in the book is everyone but him. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, and I didn't see that the first time. Okay. And I, and I love the fact that, um, speaking of Jonah, that it ends with him just looking like just the, the worst missionary ever. Like he's just like a little crybaby who sits underneath this tree and like feels bad for himself. And it's like the end. I think you can pretty much say he is the worst missionary ever because he did, I mean, I guess his message was effective. But then again, I think, you know, one of the points of the book of Jonah is it wasn't Jonah's message. It's the word of God that's effective. And Jonah couldn't handle the character of the God that wanted to save people. You know, at least if if you're going to be a fumbling missionary, if you're going to be a white savior or something, at least you're going to go with good intentions toward the people. Yeah. He did not have that. He wanted them to be destroyed. Anyway, yeah. Jonah cracks me up. It's yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that comes out of that book for me, um, if I remember right, I think I think it's in like chapter two where it's, well, in chapter one, it says it, it's a three-day journey to get from point A to go speak to the king. And, and then um, it says he only does one day's journey and he's pretty much done. And for me, it's kind of like, you know, here, here's a guy that didn't even do exactly what God wanted him to do. Like he didn't go all the way to, through the end of the city. And yet um, God found a way to get that word out to the people. Yes, he did. God, God's mission is bigger than missionaries. That mm. is clear in that book. I love that. That's a good tweet. You should tweet that out. <laughs> You know what? That's yours for free. You go ahead and tweet that out. I'm, I'm writing it down right now. So, Kessia, give give us some pointers. I mean, what what what? If someone's listening right now, they're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start." Like, where where would you tell someone to start to, to read to even get them excited about the Bible? Well, I think that there are a couple things to understand about the scriptures that make it different from other books. So, the books that I read, you know, I'm. I could pick any one of these, right? But I'm going to pick it up and it's going to be someone who recently wrote something, even a book from the 19th century, right? If it's 200 years old, someone wrote it in 1820. That's still a lot closer to me than 2000 or more years ago, which is what we find in the Bible. And so I have to approach it in a way that is willing to be confronted with foreignness. This is an mm. intercultural conversation. Mm. Okay. This is not, you know, 
you and I come from different generations. Our, our families of origin are different. You know, we have lots of differences between us, but what we share in common culturally, our idioms, our languages, our frames of reference and worldview share much more in common than they are different. Mm -hmm. um, but that is not necessarily the case when I open up scripture. And so mm -hmm. I think that that's the first thing is, is to take the Bible as an intercultural communication mm -hmm. and to be willing to do that hard work. If you want to have an intercultural friendship, an intercultural relationship, you have to be willing to do a little bit more work, uh, you know, change your language, learn some new phrases, you know, you have to do some of that work. And so that's the first thing is that the book is, this relationship with this book is going to be harder than anything else you pick up on your shelf probably. You know, I didn't, I didn't really think about it in that way. In, in some ways it's kind of like code switching, you know, like, you know, the Bible is, is culturally so different. Sometimes it does require you to do some code switching to understand the language that, and the culture that's being presented to you. Yes, yes. And I'm a big fan of, I mean, we live in, in, a, in a time when we have just riches of translations available to us. Yeah. And I think we should take great advantage of those mm. um, because they are effectively our interpreters, right? As we're mm -hmm. having this conversation and it's great to have more people around the table. So I'm a big fan of using multiple translations. Um, what are you using? What do you use right now? I love the new revised standard version. That's okay. the one I, I study from and I preach from generally. Mm. Um, for people that are just dipping a foot into, into scripture, the new revised standard version might be okay. Um, the new international version and the new living translation are probably even better. Yeah, I, I, I grew up studying the new international version. Um, now I pretty much exclusively just read the New Living Translation. I feel like it's just so much easier to understand. I, I tell people it's kind of watered down enough for you to like really, you know, understand and not really have to like dig deep. Yeah, the New Living Translation, I really like it. Um, the the reason it, it, it's, it, it's so readable is they're doing a little bit of the... Um, heavy lifting of interpretation for you so they won't leave phrases so ambiguous so it's a but it's great especially if you're trying to grasp the gist of any particular letter or narrative or whatever you'll see the themes you'll understand what's happening and you won't have to be so caught up with you know ye old language as sometimes happens you know right 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 so, um so intercultural conversation, keep that in mind. I know, I know you're not a Methodist. We're not going to go like into a methodological way of understanding scripture. But one point is intercultural conversation. Understand that it's going to be different. Yes. And I think the other crucial thing to understand about scripture, this, this Bible is, is not a book. It's a library. Mm. It tells one entire story. You can almost even think of it, museum sounds dusty and outdated, mm -hmm. but it's an exhibit in mm. some senses. Okay, this is something, this is an exhibit that God has put together. And it has, um, if you go into an exhibit, an art exhibit or museum exhibit, they might have audio for you to listen to. They may have paintings, there may be sculptures, there'll be artifacts, you know, little remnants of something on papyrus or, um, you know, a hammer that someone once used to build, you know, there are 
various media, various ways to interact with the history, with the story. And, and scripture is like that. There are 66 books within the canon, within the Bible, and they have all kinds of genres in them. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned narrative and how important that is. That's crucial in, in the Bible. The whole thing is really a narrative, a narrative exhibit. It's trying to tell one story, but it uses lots of different ways to do it. Never, uh, you know, you, you can't open the Bible and expect the whole thing to be a bullet point list. Right. You know, like, That'd be okay, nice. That would be that, really nice. Sometimes we really think it would, or at least could yeah. it be, could I, could it just be an exhaustive list for all people of all times of everything you should definitely always do. And if in things you should never, ever do and enough with the gray, just like spell it out for me. Um, I mean, what, what would be helpful for me is if the Bible just at minimum, if it would have been in chronological order. Yes, you notice the Bible is not in chronological order. In fact, Kumar, you've probably noticed there are books in the Bible written by the same person. Yeah. They're not in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So um, the book of Daniel, for mm -hmm. instance, um, even the when he's receiving direct visions from God, it's not like the first day he gets a vision, it's parts A through B. And the second time he gets a vision, it's B through C. And, right. you know, it, it's going over the same territory again and again. It's looking at it from a different angle. Part of that book is written in Aramaic, even though almost the rest of the Bible is written in Hebrew. I mean, yeah. so the, this, this, this book, I think the diversity is what I'm trying to get at here. It's mm -hmm. the whole thing tells one story of God and the world, mm -hmm. how he made it, how it went astray his efforts to get it back, all the obstacles that have come up in the plan, like a good plot, you know, yeah. you've got a hero, they're on a journey and it's this thing, that thing, this thing, all these obstacles to overcome. Now, spoiler alert in this book, we are the obstacles. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. exactly. How do I save the people who are destroying themselves uh, while preserving their freedom of choice? Mm. Mm. It's a really thorny issue. And he, he, answers that problem in this radical way that no one saw coming of taking humanity on himself, fulfilling his own promise where he's both like the one who promises and the one who keeps the promise. And I mean, yeah. he's just, he blows our minds with it, but to really, to really appreciate reading the Bible, we have to, we have to, go into it, understanding its diversity. So I can't go to Proverbs and expect it to be a story. And mm -hmm. I can't go to Chronicles and expect it to be um, giving me explicit doctrine. And I can't go to, you know, I have to, I have to say, this is a painting. Yeah. To contemplate it as a painting should be contemplated. This is a, this is a fragment of a document. I need to contemplate this, you know. So let, let, let's talk about that then. You're listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast with Dr. Kumar Dixit. If you found this podcast helpful to your spiritual journey, please make sure you give us a five-star rating and subscribe to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Because I think, you know, a lot of people listening are told one way to, to get closer to God is to read the Bible. And so it's kind of, it's prescriptive. It's like, do you want to get close to God? Read the Bible. And they're like, okay. And then they read like a 6,000 year old document and they're like, um, that was kind of interesting. Like they had camels and back then. Okay. Wow. And then they're like, 
turn on Netflix and there's something really relevant in their life and they're like, ah, this makes more sense. So let's let's just use, like you said, you're listening to, is it Abraham that you said you're listening to mm-hmm. right now? So Genesis 20, um, the story of Abraham, it, it begins there. Like, let's just start right there. Let's say somebody starts reading Genesis and they read the story of God randomly picking some guy out of nowhere. And he's like, I want you to be the father of my nation. You know, it's like, bro, like, and they, they close the book or they close the Bible. How did they just get closer to God? Like what, what's, what's missing? There's, there's something um, that's missing between reading the story and then thinking like you're going to like be, have like a halo above your head. Yes, it's true. No, you're so right. That, you know, if I'm reading um, anything anywhere, it has been written by an author. There's a person behind it. And in scripture, we have these dual authors, right? We have the human author and the divine author. So if I read scripture, the first thing, if I'm trying to be closer to God, which is a a worthy goal, I have to be reading it, hearing from the author. And that's just an awareness, just a posture of the heart. So when you say read the hearing from the author, is the author God that you're hearing from? Yes. I, I mean, okay. I'm going to hear it in the human voice. I'm going to hear it right. Because God, God partnered with human authors to get this divine message into the world. Okay. He constantly doing that, partnering with us to get his message into the world. And he does that in scripture. But what I mean is that sometimes we approach scripture as if eternal truths from the plain of Nirvana were laser printed on plates of gold and dropped in Mesopotamia. Mm-hmm. And we've recovered them and printed them on the world's thinnest paper. And this is what we call the Bible. <laughs> that is so it's true. It's impersonal. It's yeah. eternal. It has no cultural context, no, no, historical location. It has no voice behind it. I mean, it's just like, like I, you know, it's not at all the book we actually open up. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that like draws me to, let's say Islam or even like um, Latter-day Saints is that their book Mm -hmm. is God's book. Like Islam, this is God's finger who wrote this. Like there's nothing, it's not, there's no interpretation. You don't need a commentary. You don't need a, no, God said this. Same thing with Latter-day Saints. Okay, this is the Book of Mormon. God said this. And then you have Christians who are like, well, God kind of partnered with humans. And, you know, you have to take the context and the cultural understanding. And, you know, and so then it's like, bro, either this is God or this isn't God. <laughs> yes. Well, um, here is what is great about, I'm so glad you said that, you provocative host, you. Either it's God or it isn't God. And yet, if, if I speak through a megaphone, is it me or is it not me? Hmm. If, I have to, if I put my thoughts into words in a journal or a letter or even the speech that I'm putting out of my mouth right now, is it me or is it not me? If I'm in conversation with you and, and that the, uh, the, the, the conversation starts moving in a direction that it wouldn't have because I'm having it with you instead of just with myself, is that 
is it me is it no longer me talking mm -hmm. it is but it's now in an interplay of medium partner context and and this is what i appreciate about the bible is you're right you know there are ways in which we wish it were just more eternal drop from the heavens and yet you know the quran you only have that the quran in in arabic mm -hmm. any translation i i have a copy on my and it will say a commentary on even though the only words inside are the words translated from arabic right the christian scripture is from the beginning not like that at all it is meant to be heard. There's a missiologist named Andrew Walls, and he says, you know, the Christian message is in an auditorium of culture. It's actually enriched with every telling, with every translation and, and um, intercultural interpretation. So when I proclaim the message of the gospel to the people of Japan, and then they, they take in the gospel, they begin living it out as people of Japan as Japanese people with their whole history and their present location, they actually will enrich the understanding of the gospel for all who now hear it from the Japanese, right? The whole Christian community right. is now enriched because the Bible takes so seriously the humanity of discourse. And who did God, who is God in conversation with? Humanity. He, he is so much more comfortable with that than we are. And mm -hmm. I think the Bible is much richer. When I first started studying scripture, you know, I did not grow up as a Christian. And so I kind of came to this book um, knowing very little about it. And I mean very little. There are some comical encounters I had with the Bible early on. And I really thought, I, I, I had no idea. I would open up the Bible and like to me numbers was happened at the exact same moment as romans mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they they meant the exact same thing they have even though they're so different in like a hundred ways god still used that mm. to do so much for me of course he used it in the context of a christian community which is the appropriate location of scripture is in community mm -hmm. he used that to draw me closer to him. Um, and I think the number one reason that it worked, even though I didn't know who wrote numbers or who wrote Romans or the differences between them, was the awareness of the divine author. Hmm. I knew God was trying to say something, that the Bible disclosed, it, it revealed reality, even when I didn't always understand what it was revealing or how it was revealing it. Yeah, That's, I think, what it means to read by faith. Mm -hmm. This is saying something about what's real. And there is a, the, the, the very author of reality has, has, has given me this book and is, is speaking right now when I pick it up. It so doesn't I, matter if you know everything about the Bible. If you don't know that, if your heart can't read in that posture, it will be maybe worse than useless to you. You're listening to the Concierge Minister Podcast with Dr. Kumar Dixit. Are you trying to grow in your relationship with God? Do you feel like you aren't getting anywhere? Concierge Minister works similarly to a personal trainer at the gym or life coach. By becoming a monthly paid subscriber of the Concierge Minister, you'll receive one-to-one -one coaching on how to deepen your faith, personalized sessions to learn how to pray, 
and exclusive access to spiritual counseling sessions. Kumar is a board-certified pastoral counselor and has extensive experience working with people from various walks of life. You can schedule a 30-minute free consultation with Kumar by sending an email to conciergeminister at gmail.com or by visiting conciergeminister.com. So why do we find, and I say we, I mean just collectively, why do we find the Bible so boring? <laughs> um, so I mean, many- like, think about this, Cassia. Like, when was the last time you were like, hey, how was your day? What did you do? And someone was like, oh, yeah, I spent the last few hours reading the Bible. That's awesome. Like, you don't hear people say that. Why, why well, is that? So most of the problem is us. First problem is, I mean, have you ever gone back? Let's see. I tried to watch um, one of the old Star Trek movies. I can't remember, like, Wrath of Khan or something. I don't know. A movie from the 80s, okay? It's not that old. I'm from the 80s. I'm not that old. Yeah. The first 14 minutes of that movie, it's like, I can't, I can't, I, I turned it off. I was like, I can't handle this. It is so slow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I thought that was supposed to be like this great Star Trek movie. It was so slow. Just the way our intake of movies has changed in my lifetime. Yeah. It's faster, right? So just, so that's the first thing is that the Bible was not written in the TikTok age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is not slices of things that add up to be 15 seconds. The Bible is not nuggets. You know, the Bible is not like hacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that one of the main reasons, you know, I I don't know if you follow Heather Thompson Day on Twitter. Mm -hmm. She's great. And, you know, she's a professor of communication. And she had this tweet recently that said, have you ever been reading a tweet and then you realize you've moved on to the next one before you read that one? Like you couldn't even make it to 280 characters. Right, right, right. So that's a problem with how we've been training our brains. So yes, we find it boring, but most people have a hard time reading anything. So so number one, that's our problem. Number two, yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. Fair? You should tell me if I'm not being fair. No, I think you're. I think what you just said. Most people don't read. So that that in itself is a problem. Uh, follow my train of thought, okay, about what I'm about to say. If but One of the things they say is people are finding sweets um, not sweet enough because we are used to using artificial sweetener. And so people eat, you know, they get a ice, ice coffee and they put like six sweetened lows in it, you know, and, and so, and, you know, a sweetened low is I think like three times sweeter than one teaspoon of sugar so once you start actually eating real sweets like your grandma's pie it's kind of like oh this is kind of like not sweet enough you know and so um, it's kind of dulled our taste buds and so for me what I'm wondering and I don't know if this is possible but unless you really are like a faithful I don't know student of the bible but for me I wonder you know, do you, do you have to determine that you're going to just stop watching Netflix for a week or dull down, you know, your Hulu account or stop, you know, your TikTok just so that 
the taste of the Bible is renewed again. Oof. That is a, that is a provocative suggestion. And I don't think it's wrong. I, I think the more that we, um, the more that we train our tastes to meditative literature, the, the, the more our taste will appreciate it. But it doesn't require, like you don't have to fast from the internet for a week before you pick up the Bible. Sure. Um, in fact, it might be even better, more than saying that the less we do the other stuff, the more we'll appreciate scripture. Um, that may be true. It might be, it might be even more helpful for us to think about the more we read the scripture, the more we'll appreciate the scripture. I, I think that is true. Yeah, I mean, I I just finished the book of Acts today, and my I was basically doing a chapter a day, and I got to be honest with you, like, I think it is because of the Twitter, you know, influence. But I was like, bro, can each chapter be this long? Like, seriously, like break this stuff up like this. I don't need to know everything in one chapter, you know? So, you know, I finally get to, you know, the end of Acts today. And the reason why I did is because I, I was methodically doing it. So I think you're right. As you start doing it, you, then you build that um, endurance, I suppose, is what you're, what you're alluding to. Yes, that's right. It, I mean, our brains are elastic, you know, yeah. and that's one of the great discoveries of neuroscience in the last 20 years is that, our brains change over time and, and how we treat them and what we put into them trains it and, and either adapts it for this or adapts it for that. So the Bible, you know, I, I've talked about it as, um, as an intercultural conversation, as an exhibit, mm -hmm. you know, with these different media, with different genres, really, um, that discloses reality in various ways. But I think also really crucial what we're getting at here is that the Bible is meditative literature mm. the bible is not a novel and when you read scripture as if it were you know a a, a dime you know paperback and it's mm -hmm. like you know you there are some books that are meant to be you know what, what, do, what do you call it? like a beach read yeah yeah right? mm -hmm. like, you want something to just kind of take your mind to a different place. It's like somewhat entertaining or engrossing. Next thing you know, you've, you know, oxidized your skin and you're ready for the next test. <laughs> yeah. The Bible yeah. is not like that. It wasn't written that way. So even when we read the narratives, I mean, we're used to them being rich in detail and exposition and mm -hmm. into the psychology of the characters. And because Culturally, that's how, how we've been trained to read stories. The Bible's not like that at all. You read a story in Acts, for instance, mm -hmm. and you're left going, what about this juicy detail? What about this one? What about that? Like, I, I feel like I have more questions than I have answers at this point. Why did that character do that? And we think that's a fault of the text when actually it's one of the best gifts of the text because that's the invitation. Mm. Stay mm. here. Think that over. The first psalm in God's prayer book in the psalm says, blessed is the one who meditates on the teaching of God day and night. She will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that yields its fruit in due season, whose leaf will not wither or fade. Everything she does will prosper. It's the think on this. Hmm. Sit back and ponder. Go back to the text. Ask ask God a question in the text. 
Let the text ask you a question and challenge you, right? Let the text read you so that you, you go, I can't believe so-and-so did that. I can't believe, like, God, Abraham, okay, apparently he's your favorite guy. He goes to Egypt. He lies about his wife, says, basically hides the fact, lets her be taken into Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh's about to, like, have sex with his wife. And the only reason it doesn't happen is because God personally intervened. Like, what kind of, you know, yeah. the Bible is supposed to provoke you in that way. Mm, that's, dude, that's, that's deep. That is deep. You know, and that, I, I usually read my Bible, like my inspiration in the morning. So then I have all day to just be angry at God and be like, why in the world? You know, and angry at these different characters and like, um, I think it's Acts 20, you know, Paul's like, I'm going to go to Jerusalem no matter what happens to me. I may die, but I'm going to go fulfill my cause. And like, I think there's like two or three different groups of people who say, don't go to Jerusalem. Like, this is not a good idea. And he's like, no, I got to go, you know. And so for days, I was like, bro, why aren't you taking the advice of other holy people? You know, and so there's not an answer, but it allows there to be tension for me to be frustrated with what I'm reading and for me to meditate on God's word. And I yes. think, yeah, I think it's beautifully said, uh, beautifully said. Um, Cause I think a lot of people look at God's word. I, you wrote, you said meditation or meditative and I wrote meditative versus instructional because I think a lot of people want the Bible to be instructional, you know, okay, tell me what to do today. You know, give me a dose yeah. of, of a commandment to follow you and then I get to go to heaven rather than it being that tension that we live with. Well, this is, this is great because you know, the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those are called the Torah. Mm -hmm. And the Torah means instruction. Mm -hmm. And depending on who you are, you'll look at one part of those books, one part of the Torah, and you'll think, well, that's instruction, but that isn't. Right. And so you'll say, you'll look at the laws about don't knit your sweater out of two different materials. And you go, what? How is that instructive? Mm. Better than and other people are like, yes, okay, tell me what to do. Point your finger, wag it at me in a certain direction yeah. so that I know today that I don't zig when I should zag. You right, know, right, like right. I, I have to know, like, should I buy the granita or should I buy the mocha? Like, what is it? <laughs> right. And that's what we want God. We want God to give us this book. Oh, man, I'm about to get on a different topic. But basically, we want him to give us that, that instruction so explicitly because we, we don't want to do the work. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to have to discern his voice to our hearts. We don't want this personalized instruction. We don't want the Holy Spirit. Right, right. We don't need him. Like, just give us universal truths forever for all time. You know, just make this book all about rules. And that's instructive. Yeah, that's but a good, very good point. Yeah. Most of the Bible... And, and all of Genesis, there are no, there are no um, lists, there are no law codes in Genesis. There's law in there. You can see God's instructing and saying, do this and not that, whatever. But not like you find in Leviticus. Right. Not like you find in parts of Exodus. It's mostly a story. And so you go, is that instructive? And I've been listening to, um, to the Bible Project podcast I haven't listened to anything except a couple episodes on the law. My friend put me onto this and said, you've got to check this out. So I'm listening to, it's from 
May 2019. So it's even more than a year old now. But this fascinating story about the Brothers Grimm, you know, they put together Grimm's fairy tales. Mm -hmm. That was put together by lawyers. Hmm. And you go, what's the point of putting Cinderella and Hansel and Gretel? Why would a loyal lawyer care about that? Mm-hmm. And the goal of Brothers Grimm, and, and really interesting backstory to that, is that was put together because those stories instruct in right doing. It's a kind of wisdom literature. It's, these are the stories we tell our children. This is the cultural wisdom we have. Mm-hmm. When we pass on these stories, we're, we're teaching about uh, what's right and what's wrong which thing is greedy and why that is bad, uh, mm-hmm. how to conduct yourself in the world. I read a whole book on, on French fairy tales. It, they, those people had a real strong message against curiosity. Curiosity <laughs> is a vice. Yeah. And of course yeah. it can be. We have a proverb, curiosity kills the cat. But, right. but the point of this being that the narratives are meant to instruct us, but not in the easy way we want. Not in the grab bag, not in the bullet points, not in the the 15 second takeaway, not in the five minute pastoral devotional. Yeah. You have to read the story long enough, right? Like with Jonah or Abraham to see both their flaws and what God is doing in the whole, in the whole story. And I don't want to make this sound trite, but the whole point of that is so then we can be in an actual relationship with God. That's not trite at all. That is yeah. the point. This right. whole, yes, this, the whole point of that is so we can be in actual relationship with God. Yeah, you can live in the tension and be in relationship with God rather than being like a robot and just doing, following the instructions. Yes, and in fact, Kumar, this is why you've probably heard this. You've probably felt it. I have. Why is the Bible not more clear about yes. whatever? Pick a topic. Right. Why did the Bible not just tell us such and such um, about what happened or, or, you know, Jephthah's daughter? Mm. I mean, we see suggestions in there that she lived, but it was like a a perpetual virginity or like, was was there an actual like human sacrifice? That would be grotesque. Like, why isn't the Bible more clear? What is happening? Yeah. Um, Why do we have to interpret? And the reason, just like what you're alluding to, is that we wish we had all of god's knowledge we want omniscience we want no room for interpretation we want god to download his whole program into my brain Mm. right and that's the only way you get around interpretation yeah yeah that's boy that's good that's rich can we do this like weekly just you and i like this is so good man I, i i love it um I, I, ha- I teach I teach a Bible class in my church. Um, so it's I teach the high school ministry, and then I also teach middle school once a month as well. And about a year ago, I had like a sassy girl in my in my class, this little teenager who like was forced to show up to church, and her like parents were making her come, you know. So she'd, she'd sit there and be like, Ugh, you know, and. Um, and so one day I said something about like, oh, you know, let's open up the Bible and see what God says about this. And she goes, like she didn't mutter it. She didn't whisper it. She goes, oh, oh yeah. The book that is like totally misogynistic, you mean? And that like hates women and uh, cares 
absolutely nothing about the poor or the needy or slaves. Yeah, uh-huh, let's see what, the, what, what God has to say about that. And like all the kids kind of like looked at her and I looked at her and, and luckily, you know, I had a moment of grace and I was like, you know, it's true. The Bible has some really tough things to say. So I'm kind of pivoting right now because I, I want to say, look, I have a couple questions to ask you, but then we're going to um, have kind of an exclusive content for concierge minister members. Yeah. So, and we're going to talk about um, some of the really, really difficult passages of scriptures that makes you wonder if, is God just, and does God really love humanity or does God just love men? Right. Mm -hmm. So before we do that, can I ask you just a couple of questions? Mm -hmm. Quick questions, quick rapid fire. Okay. Least favorite Bible um, book or passage. Um, Obadiah is not my favorite. <laughs> That's so wrong, man. He did his best. No, I mean, yeah, the the man himself is probably great. The Obadiah is not one I turn to often. I'll say that. Okay. My least favorite for years has been James. I'm like, dude, stop yelling at me. Shut up. Like, you don't know everything. You know about James? Yeah. Let me, let me, let me offer, let me throw this to you next time you go to James. Okay. Can you read James as a commentary on the Sermon on the Mount? Oh, okay. there is lots of evidence. I've got a guy back here, Ben Witherington the Third. Not the I second. love him. No, I love Ben Witherington. I love his books. Yep. Yeah, he 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 reads James as a commentary of Jesus's words of Sermon on the Mount. It's a kind of midrash. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so so mull that over next time you go to your least favorite book. <laughs> okay. Um, second thing, somebody's listening to the podcast. They're like you know what, I'm just getting into this, into the Bible. What would be the first um, place in the Bible for you to get started in? <laughs> first place in the Bible, I would go to the Gospels. I love Luke. Okay. I think it says something about your personality, like who your favorite Gospel writer is. Like yeah. John is not my favorite. John is inspired. John is beautiful. John is rich, theological, and true. But I don't like reading John the most. Okay, interesting. So I, I usually tell people to start with the book of Mark for a couple of reasons. One is it's the shortest, so you use just 16 chapters, you're done. And it's action-packed. It's kind of like written like a, you know, like an action movie. It's just bam, 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 bam. Now, personally, my favorite book is, is the book of John. But for beginners, definitely the book of Mark. Book of Mark is so good. That book changed my life at least two times, maybe three times. Oh. In like the most fundamental way. I, I do love Mark. It's, it's awesome. Awesome. Okay. Very, very good. Will you stick around? Let's talk about the difficult uh, passages of scripture. Yes. The worst stories in the Bible. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode. Thanks for listening to the Concierge Minister podcast. If you want to learn more about growing in your faith or looking for an online faith community for support while you're on your journey, please visit concierge or send us an email at concierge at gmail.com. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. If you find this podcast helpful, please tell your friends about us. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, go and live your best life.